Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. Thanks to everybody who has followed us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic Pod. You can find us there. You can also shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who was a sixth-year senior before it was cool, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the the NCAA did not grant me any additional eligibility. I, I took one class to catch what was obviously going to be Garrett Gilbert's return back to the national championship game. We all know that uh, that decision that I made obviously led to the next 10 years in the darkness or long or football. So I apologize now and forever gravely, um, hopefully senior and super senior Sam can... Uh, can make up for that um we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit but Gerald I'm doing fine on this fine evening how are you I'm doing okay I'm doing okay the uh the baby's not wanting to be put down right now so my wife's a little on edge but other than that things are good and not to say that my wife is the only one that holds the baby but she holds him more often than I do because well when you're five weeks old you really only want your mom but that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> so we are just a few weeks from football. Kyle, I could smell it. I could feel it. I could taste it. Texas had its second scrimmage on Saturday. They scrimmaged in the bubble. And afterwards, Tom Herman, head coach of the Texas Longhorns, if you're listening to this and you don't know it, that's weird, but had his availability with the media, answered some questions. It was like 30 minutes. It was some good stuff. Uh, but for those of you that care, which is a weird thing that some people do, the offense, air quotes, won the scrimmage, which means the defense is going to do some extra running. After the two days off that they gave the team on Saturday or on Sunday and Monday, the team was off. So Tuesday, when the defense comes back, they're going to be running. They did only about half of the number of snaps that they did in scrimmage one each first and second team did somewhere in the range of 30 to 40 whereas on Saturday they did just 30 to 35 with the whole group Herman remarked that it was so much cleaner than last week which was a comment he talked about last week where it was 
sloppy but intense, which is something that he can feel uh, plays well about. Uh, some some things of note, Texas played most of the scrimmage with 12 personnel, if you don't know what that means, one running back, two tight ends, because they're so thin at wide receiver. Again, uh, Troy O'Meary is out for the season with an ACL. Um, again, just you know, getting banged up. It happens during camp, but also Texas is being very, very precautious with any sort of symptoms that may be COVID. So runny nose, fever, stomach issues, even things like that. When you report them to the trainers, you will go away for observation. So they're a little thin at wide receiver. Uh, running backs, Herman said they could win a lot of games with the guys that we have there. The depth is the question. Only three scholarship running backs. Again, having some flashbacks. Uh, linebacker, young guys are playing well, but haven't again seen a full complement of the guys because of the precautions they're taking. Cornerback, not worried about depth, so they've got to uh, just suss out who are the best guys on the screen, on the field. Um, and something that I thought was interesting, and this is, this is, I guess, the nature of the extended camp period, but they're adding in additional like days without pads and a ton of contact between full padded, full contact days to minimize the wear and tear on their bodies because they've got an extra couple of weeks of camp. So, so as we look at scrimmage two, Kyle, and we look back to the questions we had last week after scrimmage one, uh, what jumps out to you as the biggest uh, change, the biggest improvement, things that you still uh, want to keep an eye on for the next couple of weeks? I think running 12 personnel is really interesting. Um, you look at this offense and it has a chance to be elite. I mean, this has a top five offense in the country type potential. Um, a lot of that is people being healthy because I think depth um, at all positions is not their strength. We have depth at, at, at some positions, certainly. Um, but but across the board, you know, it, no team is susceptible to, to a rash of injuries. But um, you really want a team to, to stay healthy because if this offense has every weapon at its disposal, um, I, I think someone said this is the type of offense that, you know, you, you play man-to-man against and, and you lose, right? It's They have so many guys who can go out and beat you at various positions. Um, the 12 personnel may not be the, the way to maximize that. I wonder um, if we will see that in some situations, because I think we've seen Herman's a guy who likes to have a tight end on the field. Yursich is a guy who likes to use tight end. You can see from his cowboy um, position in, at OSU in, in different ways with, um, you know, uh, sometimes two backs and one of them is kind of that H-back uh, cowboy tight end type position. So I, I don't know, you know, like I said, I think we'll talk about it a little bit in our season preview coming up, but I think tight end is just a really interesting position. Um, if we get some production there, you know, that's, that's just a huge plush for, from the other skill positions that we talk uh, a lot about. And I think what he said about running backs has to be really on the top of everyone's mind after last year, you know, it, it gives our coaches as well as our fans some anxiety that there are, three scholarship running backs. Um, you know, they have, like he said, they can win games with the guys they have there at running back. They have good running backs. They have great running backs, potentially, like truly elite running backs, one, two, three deep. Um, but, you know, what's after that, right? So, um, you know, I just look at this and I think about guys being a little nicked up now and when the season comes. Luckily, bye weeks are kind of sparse throughout but in the big games I hope that everyone is ready because I do think depth is about the only thing that can potentially derail what should be a really really elite offense this season so you you talked about the 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 12 personnel and I think calling it 12 personnel is a little bit of a weird I don't want to call it a, a, a misnomer or a misdirect but like Texas only has one real tight end on this squad because like Malcolm Epps isn't really a tight end. He's kind of just a really massive wide receiver. Jared Wiley, not really a tight end. He's kind of a flex 
tight end, wide receiver kind of hybrid guy. Uh, Braden Lybrock, not necessarily, again, those guys aren't necessarily really like your traditional inline tight end. So when you think of like 12 personnel from 1976, like we're not, sure. we're not with two blockers on the field trying to punch it in for three yards out. Sure. That's no, that's perfectly fair. But I would argue that I think Wiley towards the end of the season was maybe our best blocking tight end last year, even better in some instances than Cade Brewer. So you put both of the go- both of those two out there. If that is your 12 personnel, then you definitely give a really interesting running threat with those two blocking either from directly at tight end or even, you know, slightly split out tight end. You still have some blockers there. So, I mean, I, I do think it offers some interesting looks and some interesting things um, because both of those guys have you know, relatively well-rounded skill sets that, that could be a, you know, a pass run threat. So I think the, the package should not be our default. No one's saying that. No. Um, but you know, who knows if it, if it's against the right team, we saw in a bowl game court Chuck has come out of nowhere last year um, <laughs> against a team that wanted to run the ball and just stuff it to the tune of, I think 313 tackles in that bowl game. So, you know, sometimes the right package against another team is even more important than wanting to do the exact thing that you do and sometimes that adaptability and flexibility can be a team's most dangerous you know weapon yeah and and as you talked about the running backs um you know tom herman said they can win a lot of games with any of the three guys that they have which not shocking at all and i think the fact of the matter is like it seems like there's not a ton of separation and Herman, you know, said we're three weeks out from a game. So we're not really super concerned with the depth chart. Right. Yeah. So I think Roshan Johnson making the permanent move from quarterback to running back yeah. is probably the biggest, most important story of the off season Out, outside, obviously outside of like COVID changing the season. Right. But when you think of like just what the, what this, what's happening between the chalk lines, like that is massive, massive, massive. And then on the, on the defensive side of things, I think the, you know, the fact that the linebackers are still kind of in flux, that's going to be, I think, the weakest point of the defense moving forward. Now, I would very gladly in six weeks when, you know, Overshone has four tackles for loss against OU, I, <laughs> I will gladly go back and eat these words. But, sure. you know, there's still there's still a lot of flux there. And, I mean, if you if you get – like if Jawan Mitchell or David Benda at, at middle linebacker get banged up, then you're like – one or two snaps away from Jalen Ford and Jalen Jaden Hullaby as true freshman coming in and playing. So like there, that to me again could be an issue. Now, granted those guys are high level athletes and I think they have a lot to offer, but that to me still gives me a little bit of heartburn. Yeah. And, and, and we, we kind of teased it last year in this preseason, you know, podcast series of podcasts when, Todd Orlando is kind of uh, showing an eight defensive back look. I mean, there's a point where like two injuries to linebacker, and we have to do something like that again, right? I mean, even thinking of Overshone as a true linebacker, right? He came as a defensive back, but um, you know, I, I think it's interesting, right? And, and we've talked about it in some of our series previews. Um, the Big Twelve is not; they were kind of at the vanguard, at the cutting edge of of moving to just the really spread, wide open, 50, 60 passes a game type offense a few years ago. Everyone's kind of caught up, and the Big 12 is is slightly innovating again in the sense that there's some really, really good running backs. And for a conference that just throws the ball, um, you know, you have the best running back probably in the country in Chuba Hubbard. I think um, coming in, probably he, ha- he holds that moniker right now. Um, and then just, you know, down the line, Iowa State is dangerous. Pook Williams, Kansas is dangerous. I mean, there are some really good running backs where you do have to have some good linebacker play in this. And then you also have slot receivers running four fours at six three, you know, so, so you have – 
just an incredible range of things that you're asking that specific position to do in football in general in 2020, but specifically in the Big 12, which is always kind of an incubator for for offensive trends, both at the college and then ultimately the NFL level. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's it's asking a lot, but you're right. I mean, that's where I come back to depth. My, my favorite thing probably out of this press conference is him saying, we have four starting cornerbacks. We're four deep um, at that position, right? I, I, I wish we were in a place where we had basically – two to three starters at every position on the roster. I just don't know that we're there right now. And again, fingers crossed, knocking on wood, praying to, um, what is it, Jebu? Who's the, the, the major league guy? Jobu, sorry. Um, whoever, who, whatever deity you, you claim, let's try to, uh, let's try to make um, depth and lack of injuries a, a Texas tradition starting this year. Uh, it's not wise to steal Jobu's rum. There's a lot to be still, I think, sussed out for the Texas Longhorns. Again, we've got like 17, 18 days until the season kicks off. So there's plenty of time to suss those things out. But I really like for me, the big question is and really like not the big question, but a question I'm I don't think we're talking enough about is like who are going to be the, the three wide receivers when Texas takes the field uh, come September 12th, right? Like. We had there was one Troy O'Meary who is gone. Tariq Black has been playing really well. Tom Herman said we needed him, which is mm. uh, very loud. I'll just go ahead and say a guy yeah. like Brendan Eagles really we haven't heard a ton about him, and he was one of the leading receivers last year. Uh, I mean, we haven't heard really like who's going to be the slot guy. Is it Smith? Is it is it Winnington? Josh Moore is back from suspension, but we haven't really heard anything about him. Like Kelvante Dixon was turning some heads as a true freshman, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is great, and we absolutely love it. But like that to me is concerning, especially in an offense that is going to spread the ball around like crazy. Like there's gonna there are gonna be four or five guys every game with multiple catches. Like and not just like that guy has two catches, but like four or five guys that have five or six catches apiece, and so. Yeah. They've got to figure that out with the quickness if this offense is going to uh, be at the level that we need it to be in order to – I mean, UTEP is uh, – go back and listen to our UTEP preview. He, our, our, our guest, great guest, but not super confident that UTEP was going to be a high-quality team this year. Uh, so it's good that they have that, but, like, out the gates, it gets real spicy real, real fast for Texas. So um, that's something that in – again, you mentioned it – a league like the Big 12 where offense is king – what what's that what's that room going to look like it's deep but there's not a ton of separation it will be interesting i would love to see an offense where it's even six or seven guys that have you know four or five catches like let's really spread it around and then whoever has the hot hand that day let's let's feed them let's go to them i i I think we said early on that we thought these guys might be the the kind of uh bell cows but there was never going to be a like for like replacement for Devin, Devin DuVernay or, or Colin Johnson. That, that just wasn't going to happen, right? It was going to be some version of committee or the offense was going to look a little different or Jake Smith was really going to take a step up and all of a sudden we have, you know, something of a, uh, I don't want to say Shipley, but just think around the Big 12. You have um, some of these really heavy, dominant slot possession receivers that, you know, are a quarterback safety blanket. I, you know, I, I think... Um, in those three receiver positions, you can expect six, seven guys to rotate through there. Maybe it's Marcus Washington's game. You know, um, I said a couple weeks ago now in our uh, kind of bold prediction series, which was before a lot of fall or spring camp, excuse me, fall camp, um, it's happening now, uh, that I, I really like Josh Moore. But I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it, 
I don't think there's a wrong answer because I think there's a ton of talent in that room. One thing I do know is that from what I'm hearing, Coach uh, Andre Coleman is obviously a player's coach. Players love him. But the thing that I think people really respect about him and kind of makes him perfect for this moment is he's not a politics guy. It's The senior doesn't get to play because he's a senior. The best guy that we can practice, the guy who's clicking with Sam, the guy who's really picking up your um, concepts that week, um, is going to be the guy who sees the field. And the guy who's doing well, on the game is kind of he's going to get fed right it's it's um he plays kind of his position group to win to compete against each other to always be pushing each other to be better and i think that that bodes really really well for again an offense like i said that has something like eight or nine home run type playmakers on it um you know across the skill position so i I think to me that is reassuring but again let's let's see in a couple weeks how we feel about that 17 days until yeah. Texas kicks off. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be with you. Obviously we'll be with you between then and now we'll have practice updates and we'll uh, have some more fun content between then and now. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. So now's the part of the show where we do a news dump because it's basically all football this week except for a little bit of basketball. And we down the 40. So Texas... Newly minted number 14 in the Associated Press poll. Uh, They actually are by week two, unless they lose, will be a top 10 team because four teams ahead of them are not playing football in the fall. Uh, Right one spot ahead of them, Texas A&M, laughable. And then North Carolina comes in at number 18. Uh, There is a good representation of the Big 12 and an overly healthy representation of the SEC in the top 25. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm loving about this college football season is SEC doesn't get um, all of the cream puff kind of build up your resume, make you feel good. I'm sure they will be given ample um, room for excuse for that, but uh, they just have to kind of play each other. And all these top 10 teams, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what really is there um, besides, you know, Georgia and Alabama and potentially Florida. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, Texas has a good chance to be – if they lose to UTEP, we have a lot more serious things to talk about. But uh, to be in the top 10 after week one and and really have a nice path, they go UTEP by week. Texas Tech, which I think catching them early is great. It's another ease in, and then the games really ramp up. And if they look well through the first four or five weeks, there's no reason that they're not right inching into a playoff um, spot. You know, they're, they're set up well, I think. If Texas loses to UTEP... I will shave my mustache and just rock a beard sans mustache, which I think is one of the weirdest looks in the world. So hold me to that. And, and Gerald, just to, to really double down here, folks, hold us to this. If that happens, I will shave um, my beard and only keep the mustache, but with kind of the handlebars where, you know, it connects the beard. So I think they call, that's the Fu Manchu look. So I will go with that. But uh, interesting facial hair on the line for this one. We, or we do? Do we just both want to rock a Mad Dog? Like, if you guys remember Texas's old strength and conditioning coach, maybe we'll just both rock a Mad Dog. We're gonna figure that out over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, so, a little bit of recruiting news uh, after Jalen Milrow decommitted from the University of Texas, they wasted no time 
filling that spot in the 2021 class. Um, a lot of the conversation was they should get a guy who's okay with being QB two for the rest of his career. So Austin high quarterback, Charles Wright uh, committed to the university of Texas. He's a Texas legacy. Uh, he's a three-star kid had been committed to Iowa state since February. And it's, I, I make that joke about a guy holding a clipboard this Charles Wright's actually really good, and he uh, he's ba- he battled with Hudson Card regular season game, and, and Austin High just doesn't have the the players and the talent that you know like Travis does. But he's he's a heck of a quarterback, and you know between Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers and, and Jaquin and Jackson, it's gonna be hard to find a spot. But he's a guy that can that you could probably rely on to win some games if you needed to. Yeah, this isn't Lou Holtz's you know grandson or or just you know some preferred walk on of. Uh, you know, his dad played, you know, and granddad played on DKR teams and stuff like that. He's, he's a great kid. He, he had some solid offers, you know, uh, before Iowa State. Uh, I do love, uh, shouts to our good friend Levi, would have loved to hear his analysis about him because Levi has a way, we talk about the burn orange lens, of looking everything through kind of that crimson-y Iowa State um, lens, and I'm sure he would have come on to talk about how this was the next Charlie Brewer, who UT didn't offer right in their own backyard, and he was going to, you know, be the, the third best quarterback in the country by the time all is said and done. Uh, again, no digs, but uh, they have something to be happy about up there in Ames. But given the chance to stay home, wear the jersey that you wore as a six-year-old and these pictures floating around, I think Mike Roach had a tweet about it. It's it's a no-brainer. Texas can always flip an Iowa State kid, especially one from Austin, but no more Big 12 quarterbacks who we didn't offer looking for a vendetta for, uh, for announcers to, to, to crutch on. So two quick things. One, you didn't go with corn-colored glasses and I'm mad at you. Fair. And two, I love the pictures of these players as kids in jerseys, and it's one of the reasons why I buy my children so much burnt orange paraphernalia. <laughs> I have a – like when my when my first son was like six months old, he's rocking a Texas onesie. Rock got it right there. And then my new kid, picture with Bevo. Newborn pictures, not even playing around. So when my kids commit to the University of Texas, we're going baby pictures. We're not even waiting for six-year-old Sam. We're not waiting – We've got it taken care of. So some uh, unfortunate news on the 40 acres. Uh, Willie Tyler opted out of the 2020 season uh, due to concerns with COVID-19, which completely understandable. Uh, He'd been working with the second unit on the offensive line. We talked a lot about how we need to figure out who we know who the first three guys are. We need to know who the next five are. So losing Willie Tyler is tough. He was a a big guy, but a developmental prospect. Um, he, he's now the third player for Texas that has opted out of the 2020 season, joining Marquez Bimich and Daniel Young. Yeah, tough to see. Um, but basically, he's not going you know, away. Uh, he, he will have a chance, hopefully, to continue development, and maybe we'll see 2021 um, a kid come back and, and be even in better shape um, and in better position to step in and, and contribute. So uh, good for you taking the, the what is the personal... Uh, best decision, Willie Tyler. Absolutely. We hope to see you uh, in Burn Orange next year. So uh, moving on to the professional ranks on the gridiron, Earl Thomas was granted, or not granted, but was released by the Baltimore Ravens forfeiting like 40 plus million dollars off of a one-year-old contract. Tough. Uh, But it seemed like he didn't really want to be there and had outstayed his welcome. Uh, There was a fight in practice that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. But um it's tough to see one of the Baltimore Longhorns no longer on the team. 
I know, and that's as a as a Ravens fan, it, it truly pains me. Um, again, I just like to see the teams that I root for collect Longhorns. Hopefully, they'll find a couple more uh, to replace him soon. But uh, obviously, Devin uh, the Duve is heading in there, so it is it is a net wash from the year before. But um, tough to see Earl, a Longhorn legend, definitely in the modern NFL, has been one of, if not our single best NFL Longhorn, um, seven time Pro Bowler. Kind of an all-timer at the position, but it's kind of in that Ed Reed mold. He's obviously going to end up. Jerry Jones is licking his lips. He's going to be on the Dallas Cowboys here soon, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, you know, we saw what Ed Reed did when he came to the Houston Texans. I think when the, the Ravens deem, you know, legendary safety is, is past his time, um, you know, they, they, they can put up with a lot I, I've seen in the years of being a Ravens fan. But there was reporting from uh, Jeff uh, Zerbeek, I think is how you say it, The Athletic, who said this was not the first incident. There was some attitude issues shoes and just kind of being confrontational teammates being on his own agenda from the rest of the team so um, we're hoping Earl gets it figured out can kind of see out the end of his uh, days with a couple good years here and and you know uh, add to his lofty career uh, numbers but the, the 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 note to talk for like for like Longhorns here the note of note is that the most likely person to be filling in that exact spot that's right another Longhorn next man up the Joker Deshaun Elliott seems to be prime candidate to just step right in for Earl Thomas. Um, I ran into you uh, and got to t- talk to Deshaun last year when I, um, excuse me, two years ago, I guess it was, um, in, in Washington when we went up for the, the, we won't speak about it, Maryland game. Uh, but uh, he uh, he was rocking a cast at the time, was excited um, about the Ravens, just seemed giddy. Uh, everything, every question I asked him, he just he was he was excited about his NFL. So this is a chance for him to really slot in, and prove that he's got it for the next level. And I'm very excited for Mr. Elliott. On the hardwood, this is this is tough to read, Kyle. But it seems like the man himself, Jai Lucas, is not going to be on the 40 Acres for much longer. So Jai Lucas is one of the premier off-court assistant coaches in the country. Uh, was a big part of recruiting several five stars at the University of Texas, but reports started surfacing late last week, and then it seems like things are more concrete, that the Kentucky Wildcats will be luring him away with a probably pretty sizable pay increase to join their staff in a much similar role. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a tough blow for for Shocker, right? Let's let's think about you know when when this becomes official, he will be replacing two assistant coaches because they still hasn't hired anyone. And I get it; it's it's a weird time with the pandemic and everything going on. But to replace the uh, Luke Yaklich sized hole as Yaklich you know went on to become a head coach, um, so he's now looking for two positions. I've heard rumors of some people who might. Um, be at least instantly uh, options, but I mean, it, it has a big impact, especially uh, more than anything on the recruiting trail. He's he's a guy who played a large part in landing five stars: Mo Bamba, Jared Allen, Greg Brown, who's now on campus. Um, but I mean, the, the the math makes sense. There's not a ton of teams that simply come out and, and out money Texas, um, but in basketball, Kentucky is one of the few that can do it. Kenny Payne, who he's seemingly. Um, replacing or kind of replacing had about a million dollar just under a million dollar salary before leaving to take an assistant coaching job with the Knicks so they can definitely offer a good chunk of that straight to Mr. Lucas and you know I get it um if you can double your salary and go from you know Texas an elite school that you played for to Kentucky a 
much more <laughs> elite, let's be honest. We're talking about basketball here. Significantly more elite and potentially one of the two to three just name programs when you talk about uh, blue blood programs uh, in college basketball. I get it. I get where his head's at. He's probably going to be recruiting right against Texas because they're going to want him to use all his connections in the Houston and especially Houston area. So it, it definitely hurts Texas in a few trickle-down ways. Yeah, you said double his salary. He's probably going to make like three or four times his salary. And you know what? Life's not all about money, but money's nice too. And so like I totally get it. Again, like you said, in – in football, there's not a team on the planet, I think, that can money whip Texas. But I think with where Texas basketball is right now, there are some teams that can money whip Texas. And let's just be honest, I think Kentucky's got it. Now, obviously, if he's looking for an on-court coaching role, then going and becoming an off-the-court assistant for Kentucky is a good, smart career move because you're learning from one of the best in the business. And, and not to say that Chaka's not great, but like you're learning from a guy who's got national championships under his belt. So, uh, and we we're sad to see Jai move on, but as people who always salute guys that are doing what's best for them and their family, we're so excited to see what this next stage, as long as he doesn't steal any players from Texas, turns out to be. Last but certainly not least, some incredible news. So if you're a Texas baseball fan, you are absolutely going to remember this name, but Mark Payton has been in the minors for a very, very long time. <laughs> and I, I say very, very long time, and I'm not joking. Mark Payton played 566 games in the minor leagues and finally was called up uh, just two days ago for his first at-bat with the Cincinnati Reds, which is just you you hear these stories of guys who, who stay in the minors for years and years and years uh, only to never get called up. So seeing a guy who basically went like five or six seasons in the yeah. minors to finally hear his name called and to, to make it to the show, like, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you, you think of Dennis Quaid in, in the, the Smashbox office hit 2002s of the rookie. Um, uh, I definitely didn't have to Google that. Uh, you know, and, and we have a long-standing theory that Dennis Quaid cannot make bad movies. He can make fine, average, mediocre, whatever movies. Maybe not all movies are, are perfect movies, but... A solid movie. You should watch The Rookie, um, where he's a 40-year-old rookie. He's not quite that old Mark Payton, but, um, yeah, I mean, this is amazing. He, he definitely is a fan favorite. He if I mean, the thing that I think he's most known for uh, is the, the on-base uh, streak at, at UT, which I'm pretty sure is a national record, 101 games straight reaching base between 2013 and 2014, a three-time all-conference player, made it to the College World Series multiple times, known for a clutch hit. Um, just a player like that's a name that will ring out forever for Texas baseball fans. You never forget him, especially if you're kind of of the younger vintage. Uh, he's one of your one of your guys. So I, I am I am excited for Mark Payton, and, and and you earned it, kid. That's a lot of games to grind. Absolutely, he's one of those guys that um, you see those stories of somebody gets drafted in the really low rounds of an MLB draft and goes to college for three years and basically like doubles their standing. That's what he did, right? I think out of high school, he was drafted in like the 30th round or something ridiculous like that, which is baseball has way too many rounds of the draft. But, and then <laughs> like, I think, I think it was like the 15th or 16th round when he was drafted from Texas. So like, he's one of those guys that was able to really build something for himself when he was at Texas and you know, he played for the Yankees for a bit, the A's for a bit uh, in their minor league system. And so now he's, uh, now he's finally made it to the majors. I'm really excited for Mark, but that brings us to 
the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. Brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, <laughs> what are you banging the drum on this week? So, this week, my tongue is is planted firmly in my cheek. So, I bring you literally my favorite thing of the week. Maybe my favorite thing of the NBA bubble period. Maybe my favorite thing from sports Twitter this year. Um, just amazing. Um, there is a... a not particularly well known. I think he's he's a maybe maybe a a rapper, maybe a producer, some type of musician. He has all of 800 Twitter followers, and this is after the story I'm about to tell you. But I'm sure you all know who I'm talking about. Of course, that's Z the Creator. No, okay. Well, well, Z the Creator tweeted out probably his most popular tweet uh, of his life when he he tweeted, "Why are you such a weirdo? You are too wealthy for this." You really went and followed my girl. That's why she blocked you, all caps, weirdo. At KD Trey 5. That's right. Kevin Durant. Um, a man who's known for being very online. Um, a man who um, they've unearthed his, I don't even remember the name of the site, but like high school era dating profile from online. A man who uh, has been found to accidentally tweet from his main account what is supposed to be from the burner account. Um, a man who takes his trolls and his haters on, but has learned, grown, and like Bane, been molded from it. KD came back with probably my favorite t- troll. Like, just, there's no better way than to, to, to handle an internet tough guy than, than, than what KD replied to Mr. Z, the creator. Um, my bad. I actually impressed follow and liked all her picks. My phone tripping, which is just, it's, it's perfect Texas pregamer style satire of, um, my phone got hacked as the defense for any and all ales, i.e., you know, Senator Ted Cruz liking, um, pornographic tweets or, um, you know, someone accidentally sliding in the D. Oh, I got hacked. It is the, it is the always default blanket uh way of doing it and the fact that kd just kind of wink wink nudged nudged at it um is my favorite thing of the week and i'm banging the drum on kd trolling nothing to do just just sitting outside the bubble and just trolling with a plum kd has been a long time troll and this i think it started as somebody who lives in oklahoma city when he was bored sometimes in oklahoma city i think Part of the reason why he left Oklahoma City was he was kind of bored here sometimes, which is fine. Uh, but like he w- he would just be on Twitter, like he was a 21 year old kid just on Twitter, being on Twitter trolling people, and I absolutely loved it. Um, now, granted, I think you know I've had issues with his decisions sometimes as he's made them since he decided to do that. But whatever it is, what it is. I just he's having fun. He's not playing basketball right now, and so um, if you're gonna come at one of the three to five best shooters of the last 25 years <laughs> uh, and not expect them to shoot back. Like just, just that's on you player. Uh, so I'll bang the drum this week on anytime the NCAA gets it wrong. You and I are very quick to point it out. You and I are very, very quick to point out anytime the NCAA gets it wrong, which is very, very frequently, very frequently. And so anytime they get it right, I'm going to try to be, as as uh, as vocal as I can be. So the NCAA got it right when it comes to dealing with eligibility for um, football plus the other fall sports that may potentially happen uh, in the year of COVID sports in the time of COVID that any senior player that plays any amount can retain eligibility and 
I don't believe they count towards scholarship limits. So the NCAA is making a decision that puts players first. Now, granted, like this is also potentially going to put money in their pocket because like, what if Sam Ellinger just is like, you know what? I want to come back for another year. I'm having too much fun in college. Guys like that who are able to be like, yeah, Derek Kerstetter's like, you know what? Having a really good time in Burn Orange. Let's go ahead and do this. So uh, there, this is not, it's not completely altruistic because, again, if you catch one or two big stars that come back, you'll be able to use that to monetize and, and add viewers on the, on the screens. But the NCAA making a, what seems on the surface, a player's first decision is a breath of fresh air for me. I'll take it every time. I, I would love to eat crow and the best things happen for the people who we get the, the opportunity to cheer for. Um, we've called for straight up abolishment, I think, at some point on this yes, podcast. So, um, you know, uh, whatever happens in the future and if this pandemic plays a part in it and, um, you know, the NCAA being different or a different entity or whatever happens, you at least can say when faced, when, when back against the wall, they did it right. Now just do it more often and you'll have more fans and more people who uh, who are willing to support you. And fewer people who are openly willing to say you're worthless. That's all we've got for you <laughs> this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Um, hit me up. Slide in, in my DMs uh, in, in you know, troll me like Kevin Durant. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at G.H. Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Connect with us on Facebook, Longhorn Republic Podcast. And shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can catch me on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds, this week. We're going to talk about DC Fandom. DC seems to finally be getting it right on the movie side of things. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and obviously, we'll just have some random nerdiness to come with you. But thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Football is so close.